Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis, and you've got Flight Club. Today's guest is the delightful Isabel Mosca. Isabel is mom to young adult twins who both have diagnoses that required her to be a strong advocate for them from the beginning. For over 20 years, she has run the nonprofit organization she founded when they were little called Faces for Autism. Isabel and I discuss her journey through the heart of parenting children with special needs to her life on the bright side now, where she values the importance of self-care and finding joy. And I am enthusiastically going to be a part of Isabel's upcoming fundraiser, which puts a new spin on a good old-fashioned telethon. This love streaming virtual event is happening this week, Friday, March 12th, on the Faces for Autism Facebook page and their website, facesforautism.org, from 4 to 10 p.m. Eastern. That's faces, the number four, autism.org. Be sure to tune in on Friday and stream some love their way to help fund their social programs and events. Let's get to it. Tell us about your role as a parent. My role as a parent is um, the title changes as the years go by, but I am a parent of twins. They're boy girl twins. My daughter has ADHD, she has learning differences. My son has autism, epilepsy, and a movement disorder. So we we, we tried to balance it evenly, but it didn't turn out that way. Um, as, a, as a parent, um, I am a parent of adults, adult twins with learning differences. Let's put it okay. that way. They're turning How old 22. are they? They're 22? turning 22, yes. Almost 22. Okay, fantastic. So you've been through a lot now. So what, what did their journey look like for you? And when did you start noticing? Um, maybe their differences or their delays or what was that like when they were little? As twins, I imagine it's uh, a unique experience. Most definitely. Um, the interesting part about it is that when you look back, you are amazed, as they say, um, looking back is 2020 vision for sure, because we did not have cell phones with videos and cameras to take pictures to record our journey. 
we had on occasion a camcorder that we would record maybe a holiday event or something like that. I noticed for sure that there were issues at 18 months with my son. He at 10 months was talking before his sister and saying things like balloon, Barney, baby, reading books with me and very attentive, very focused. The perfect baby, as you would call him, didn't cry, um, didn't, didn't have any issues, uh, met all of his milestones within the right period of time. My daughter uh, was a girl. <laughs> I hate to say this, boy, girl, because this is what the pediatrician said to me. Oh, you're just comparing apples and oranges. Um, my daughter met all her milestones, but she was so ornery in the beginning, cried all of the time. And what we're discovering is she just couldn't wait to do things on her own because she wanted to walk at 10 months. She wanted to do all of these things. And once she started doing things, she was fine. Okay. When my son got to 18 months, you mean you want me to walk? <laughs> you want me to sit up? You want me to, but they both actually walked on their birthday. So it would be tomorrow. It'll be 20. 20, oh my gosh, 21 years ago, they took their first steps together. It was bizarre. It was almost That's as so if she would. That's so sweet though. That's so beautiful. Yes. And, and it, was a, it was a beautiful thing to look at them. And I, I, when I look back, they've met almost all of their milestones together. Um, and it is, it's a beautiful process to watch. Um, Boy-girl twins are a little bit different. Um, I know a lot of twins who have kids with special needs, a lot of them. And we compare notes often. But at 18 months is when I noticed for sure that there were issues and said, that's it. Um, I took them both for their photo shoot in the mall to that place, the picture people or whatever it was called back then. And they got in the cute little car and, you know, with the uh, license plate that had the year on it. I think it was um, really amazing that they sat down, they did this, they smiled after I chased him around the mall about twice to get him back into the car. And then he had the most amazing temper tantrum that, you know, where he, his back stiffened and he just flipped out. It was overload too much, too much, too much. So I, uh, noticed that he was not answering to his name, clapping, not answering, not turning around, had done this all along, did not answer at all. So I, I spoke to my sister-in-law who happened to be working in early intervention. And she said, well, you could have his hearing evaluated. So we went and did that. They said his hearing was perfect, but they said he should be evaluated for something else. So we had him evaluated. He was already in early intervention because they were preemies. But okay. what I discovered was beyond that, long story short, um, the doctor, brought us in to a developmental pediatrician, brought us in and said, you know, took out the list and doesn't look up at you and says about my son, um, he has pervasive development disorder, not otherwise specified. PDD NOS is what they call it. Back then, the doctors did not say the word autism to you. Yeah. You did not look it up on the internet. And what ended up happening was, even though he was in early intervention up until he was three years old, um, he would have tantrums at home and the therapist, the OT, this uh, speech therapist, they would work with him on brushing programs and things like that. No one ever uttered the word autism. 
they were instructed clearly not to. And I know that now because I went to the pediatrician and said the next visit, how dare you do this to parents? I lost months because what happened was they brought in the psychologist and the psychologist said, you do know your son's diagnosis. I said, PDDNOS. Now I clearly remember walking out of the doctor's office after the diagnosis with my aunt and saying, oh, good thing it wasn't autism. Wow. They never told us that that was part of the spectrum. And if they had said that, I am a, I'm a person, I have manuals next to me, you wouldn't believe. I looked everything up, did not know that that was the same thing. So once the psychologist told me, I had my breakdown on the floor. And this is what I tell a lot of parents when I talk to them. Um, I had my 10 minute pity party. And when you have your 10 minute pity party, it happens a lot through your life. But I broke down and then I said, okay, what's next? And after learning everything I could about gluten-free diet, about how to do supplements. I worked with doctors. Um, and when he was three years old, he was taking all the things that you would think were perfect to help cure autism. And what ended up happening was um, by age four, he stopped drinking all of those things that I was giving him in his sippy cup. Uh, he did the diet but going out in the real world is impossible on the gluten-free diet. It's very difficult. So um, back then for sure, for sure. Uh, it, they, they make it impossible. Oh, yeah. So now, now it's like Disneyland. It's wonderful. Yes. You can do so many things talking about 2001. Gluten-free Oreos now. Yeah. Good. Give me a break. Exactly. <laughs> so when you look back at that, um, we were truly pioneers. I had friends who were, the pioneers and I would talk to them and we would sit down and what ultimately ended up happening for me is I, um, I got tired of not being able to talk to anyone and started a support group. Okay. Where, where, like in his school or how did you, how did you, where did you, and how did you start the support group? Um, I can tell you that the angels have always been around us for sure, because you always get what you need. And there's a lot of prayer that goes on when you have a child with special needs. And his angels were always there. My daughter ended up being tested because she was so gifted at age three. She would, they were bringing IQ tests to her, using her as the typical. And she would blow through things. And little did we know down the line that those learning differences, and, and I'm not really sure yet, but I think even at this point, she might be somebody on the autism spectrum as well, because girls are undiagnosed so often. And you know this yourself. Right. Um, but knowing that we would talk to doctors and they didn't know what the heck we were talking about or would pat us on the heads. Um, I went with my husband to talk to the local assemblyman and said, we don't have anything here to do with autism in our area. And it just happened that the time that we went to meet with him, the, it was called the Center for Autism Research or Autism something in New Jersey. Uh, the acronym was COSAC. And no one in my area knew anything about it. And there were no support groups. There was a support group for Down syndrome and we were welcome to go, but the differences are so vast. So what we ended up doing 
was speaking to this assemblyman and then he brought in the president of this organization in North Jersey and North Jersey and South Jersey are very different geographically as well as um, population wise we're far less populated so what ended up happening was he's the guy kind of just talked to us very cavalierly and he said you know you can always just start your own support group he says because you don't have the population here there aren't that many people with autism in your area and my husband looked at me and he said you don't know my wife <laughs> so a week later i started a nonprofit um, after having a meeting where i put a flyer out in the local convenience stores and the local newspaper got a hold of it and next thing you know we were on the front page of the paper 200 phone calls later people said oh yes there are people with autism here where are you meeting and when so that meeting um, we started the nonprofit and I was very blessed because my job, my career before that was in HR and we're, uh, running a wellness and a women's center in a hospital. So I ran conferences, I ran workshops, I ran support groups. I knew how to do this. So this was not out of my wheelhouse. So I was very blessed to have those gifts. And I know God gives you the gifts that you have for a very specific reason. So the fear, uh, was not there in that regard. I was helping my son and that's all that mattered. And right. luckily we were able to bring along so many other people. So how old were your kids at this time? Where, where, when was this? This is so funny because it just happens to be sitting right here. This is a picture of my kids. This is how old they were. And They're adorable. I know everyone else can't see them, but I can, and they are adorable. Um, and that day I brought that picture put it out on a, a, a table that my husband worked for this uh, municipal government at the time. And I said, can I borrow a room? We borrowed a room thinking six people would show up and we had 80 people in the room. Oh my we had, gosh. We had to move to a courthouse because there was a court building in there. So we sat in the courthouse. There was a back table and I brought, because this is typical mom syndrome, I brought a tray of fruit. <laughs> right, of course you did snacks and then I put out a picture of my kids because they had nothing else of course you did and Wait, I so how old so how old are they there they are three there had just turned three okay. and the thing about it is I had done the gluten-free diet with my son when he was two so it, he had been on it for a year had been in early intervention just started in preschool what I thought was oh I have this mastered my son went from nonverbal to 24 words in two weeks on the gluten-free diet. Wow. I went, went to the doctor and said, I got this figured out. Why can't you guys figure this out? This is amazing. We, we don't even know the layers that are involved in right. the issues of autism. And ever since then, I still thoroughly believe in this diet. And there are so many people who dismiss it, but I am really empowered by the thought that there are gastrointestinal doctors, brain health doctors who are out there still talking about how important this is for all of us, not just people on the spectrum. And, um, and it, it um, ironically, because I follow this diet, I was diagnosed with celiac myself. Oh my and goodness. I follow the diet. So when I realized that it was making me feel better to eat the way my son eats, um, I know that so many people can benefit well, that's quite and, scary. I've said to a lot of people in the past and didn't know it all these years. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, but what it shows you is that we need to take care of ourselves. And the sad part is that in taking care of my son, that's how I helped myself, but I should have known because I was so focused on this goal of getting up at four o'clock in the morning and making gluten-free bread and making him a gluten-free birthday cake and doing all of these different things. And then realized because I'm eating whatever is left over, I don't feel so bad anymore. You know, self-care is key for special needs parents. Yeah. And that's, as you know, that's, you know, really my mission and my purpose is to really help um, so many more of us get there. And so um, how did that continue for you, self-care? Self-care has been an aspect mm -hmm. of everything that I do, even through our support group, which has grown into a nonprofit um, over, this is our 19th year coming up, um, educating and supporting the greater community and evolving into the importance of helping, of course, our special needs parents um, with the process of their children throughout the lifespan. However, helping them by saying simple things like, you are doing a great job. This is important work that you are doing. However, you need to be good to yourself. So I'm the ideal client for my own organization evolving constantly. We all need to remember that this aspect of caring for another person, this love that we have for this person in our lives um, or people, because I know people who have multiples who have um, some, some of my friends have four and five children on the autism spectrum. Wow. Um, knowing that you need to, as they always say, the cliche, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, and then you'll be able to take better care. And ultimately mine evolved because I ended up getting pneumonia, double pneumonia in my forties in the hospital for two weeks. So knowing that I had run myself into the ground right. was my sign. Okay. Um, who's going to do it when you're not there? Yeah. This is yeah. the thing that everybody yeah, that, has to say. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a similar story of mine, um, you know, crashing to bottom before you finally say, ah, hey, I need to make some lifestyle changes here. Um, clearly, this isn't sustainable <laughs> when you're in the hospital or, you know, hitting bottom. And so, yeah, so it took it took that long to really really be clear for you and so now and so now how do you do that so now you're you're post you know double pneumonia hospitalized you get it you've had an awakening how how are you different now what do you do differently to take care of yourself um setting up a support system of people who get it is key the support group has been key but the way that i approached it was very different because as my child got older, so did I. And realizing that my husband could do certain things and maybe he didn't do them exactly the same way that I did them. Um, I used to say to a friend of mine who is a real perfectionist, she would complain because her husband made dinner and it wasn't exactly the way she liked it. And I said, you know what? I would eat crunchy spaghetti 
if it meant I didn't have to make dinner. Heck yes, girl, me too. <laughs> but, but adding all of those things, allowing, surrendering, letting go to expectations, letting go of the outcome, not worrying about things as much. Um, I'm a big proponent of celebrating every aspect of what you are doing in the journey. So I, I love to go look at sunrises. I love to save that for me. And nobody else is up. I get up. I am running to get to that sunrise so that I can take pictures of it or just be there and dance in the sand. I don't care who's there. This is, this is my life. This is what I choose. So knowing that I have that listening to wonderful music that I don't care if my daughter says, oh God, mom, not again. Josh Groban, really, mom? Um, knowing that I can blast it, um, that I can dance in the kitchen with my son to all the Broadway shows that he loves. Um, what are we listening to today, Kyle? Okay, and he gives me a list of what we're going to listen to if it's Bye Bye Birdie or whatever it is while we're making dinner or whatever. Um, but celebrating our lives and not being afraid to go out. Um, it's difficult sometimes, a challenge to go out with my son. He loves thrift shops today. His gift is that we're going to attempt to go to a thrift shop. We may go for five minutes. We may go for half an hour. I may have to drag him out. <laughs> we're going to do what we can because he has not been in a thrift shop for a year. And that is his thing. He did that at least twice a week beforehand. So celebrating the things that we have in our lives, knowing that um, we need limits and boundaries. Okay, this time of the day is for me. I get I this. That. Yes. Limits and boundaries is so key. Knowing that my son has limits and boundaries, knowing that, okay, we're going to his life skills training and it goes from three to five today. Knowing that, okay, he can do this amount of time, but okay, before this, this is when he gets to do, um, to pick out his movies, organize his, his video collection. He has a collection in the garage that we call Blockbuster. <laughs> that's where he goes. So yeah. no, everybody has something. And appreciating that my husband has his time watching, like he watched the Super Bowl last night and I came and sat and watched it with him. Um, I probably can't tell you anything that happened, but um, I could probably tell you the numbers on the backs of the people, but <laughs> I watched the commercials. So we had a balance. We enjoyed each other. We enjoyed each other's time. My daughter and I um, looked at different things that we were going to enjoy. Um, so we having the time with individuals and appreciating them, not being pressured and stressed about looking at your watch constantly, um, clearing your schedule as much as possible so that you can allow time for joy. Joy has been such a blessing in the past year in our family. Um, this is, the, the, people are worried about being in their houses and shut down during the pandemic. This is our lives. This is what we live <laughs> all the time. I just had this conversation with another podcast guest recently as well. Yes, wow. exactly. Wow. Exactly. Well, we, we hope that they understand and appreciate this is where we are, but um, simple things like this. Um, my son does not go in stores right now. We don't do that because we're concerned. We, he, we haven't been vaccinated and he doesn't like to wear masks for long. Um, we spend as much time in nature as we can. Nature has been a blessing. Um, he loves to go to the beach with me as well. Um, walking in the woods. These are all important things to me and to my family. 
Yes, I mean, I couldn't agree more. The nature, oh my gosh, we just need to reconnect so desperately with nature. I think just overall, overall as a society, um, it does wonders for your mental health. It really does. And I love, everyone needs to follow you on Instagram because I love all of your pictures of the sun, sunrise on the beach. Just gorgeous. Like almost every day you're posting this and they're just, I just, you know, you, there's, there's nothing like a sunset or a sunrise on a beach. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that later so that everybody can find you. But um, do you, you know, you describe um, when, when your kids were little and you're getting up, you know, before the crack of dawn to make the gluten-free bread and do all the things and go, go, go. And, um, you know, and now your story is, I go every day and watch the sunrise for, all by myself. And I make sure every single day that I have blocked out time, um, blocked out time to be with him, blocked out time to be with my daughter, blocked out time to be by myself and with my husband. Um, you know, do you think that that transformation has to come with the time the, the you know the duration that you and I have been through because my daughter is almost 20 um, so I'm just behind you on on that but in the same realm you know same time of life um, I, you know and, and I, I just wonder because I want so desperately to help younger moms you know with the with the littler kids who are in that just super hard hard place that the beginning just is. Um, and I just wonder if you think that, you know, what, what can you do when you're still getting your diagnoses and you're still going to, you know, hundred therapies a week and you've got 10 doctors and, you know, you feel like you feel like that window of early intervention is closing because there's so much pressure with that time of life, um, with early intervention and to do all the things that you possibly can. And you never, ever feel like you're doing enough, no matter what you're doing. What advice would you give? What would you say to those younger parents? Well, I remember the, the, the message that resonates in my head from back then was, you must do everything you can before they're five. It's like the, the window is closing. If you don't get all of that brain health in, you're going to miss that window. Well, I did a lot of that stuff. And I could sit here and feel guilty about the things that I did miss, that I didn't run in and go, I guess what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to do our cards. Let's do our cards. Let's do this and let's learn this. And brain, brain, we got to fix that brain. You know what? We are where we are supposed to be at all times in our lives. This is what is supposed to happen. I could sit there and feel sad for myself and for my son and for our family that my son isn't cured of autism, but he is a gift to the world, whoever he is. He is a kind, caring, loving person. And as you know, our kids are the most amazing magnets for energy. They feed off of every person and every situation. And their anxiety sometimes isn't them, it's us. And they're feeling our anxiety, our depression, our frustration. Those tantrums may not be all them. They may be feeling, whoa, that's too much just be with them, sit on the floor. I don't care if it's dirty, sit on the floor, get a towel, 
<laughs> right. Who cares if your house is clean? That's my motto. Amen. <laughs> oh, I, I live it. I live it. My husband, he's a real neat neck and not too thrilled. Okay. Okay. Today I'm vacuuming. Ooh, hooray. Let's have a parade. You know, <laughs> parade. Um, are we eating today? I used to be like, okay, this is going to be this day. This, and I was super mom as far as the food, nutrition, all these things. Now I look at them and they go, do we have to have the instant pot again? I said, go to Wawa, have a fun. I'm eating this, you know, and, and I'm good. I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel bad that they don't want to eat what I'm making. When I was trying to do it, when I was younger, I had lots of energy to be June Cleaver. If anybody is even old enough to know who that is. Um, my mom was a super mom and that was my role. I had that as my role model. I needed to be that I thought. And when I realized that my mom spent time with me and read books with me, and whether I was listening or not, my mother was there for me. I wanted to just be there. And I was still working, but I wanted to be the best person that I could be with my kids. So the best thing that I could do and advice I would give to parents is to just relax. I know it's a horrible thing because I heard somewhere that when you tell people to relax, that they get more tense. Right. So how about find yourself some time, whether it's your headphones and whatever you listen to. I listen to a lot of relaxation things. Um, I love listening to songs that motivate me to feel joy, um, to take me away from wherever I am. Um, I find whatever it is that's my go-to list. And if I am really lost and cannot think or breathe, I've noticed one of my favorite things is making a folder of my favorite pictures of things and people that I love, places I've been, that I go, I have had a life. Wow, I did this, I did that, this is so cool. And being the parent on, um, I have a blog that's called Life After the Bus Stops. I was afraid of being that woman. I didn't want to be, when my child was diagnosed and people would say in the future, people never talked about being in the future because you, parents of younger children did not want to know what happened when they fell off the cliff. Like Columbus thought he was gonna fall off the cliff. You know, everybody the thought world. Yeah. So this new world, I find more freeing. And I know that for sure you can find a lot of wonder at the other side, but have it now. Enjoy your kids. So what they're obsessed with Barney or the Wiggles, just live in it, dance in it. Um, take them to the concert and everybody else is, even if your kid's 12 and everybody else is three, have fun with your kids, love them intensely. That's the me best message that I can give people. Because if you do that, you were here, you were present in the moment. That's the best gift that you can give them, being present. I can't mm -hmm. even imagine. Um, and don't go crazy with the therapies. Don't rush them around to 100 different places. They don't need that. And they feel the stress of that. Pick something that works for a while and then move to something if you don't think it's working. If they love something, do it for 20 years. I don't care. Uh, I mean, my son has been in, um, just started OT three years ago. They never, insurance never covered it. He never had ABA. He just started last year. He's 22. That's, that's amazing that, that you found a place now that will do ABA with him at this age because, I mean, and I think a lot of places are coming around, but for so long recently, they wouldn't treat anyone over like age of eight for ABA. They, they in school, they stopped OT in, eighth grade because they said 
He, uh, the only thing we teach him is how to tie his shoes and how to walk on a balance beam. He's, if he hasn't figured that out, tough luck. And I'm like, you get paid wow. for this? What is wrong with you? So I took him and have an, had him evaluated at the local hospital. And they said, oh my gosh, can we do things? So yeah. um, it, it's amazing. Speech therapy, I'd love to be able to be doing that. But what I have noticed is on this side of it, my son has a lot of echolalic speech. But ever since we've been home, his stress levels are so low and he is so much more at peace. We are seeing sentences that we've never seen before. We are seeing joy. We are seeing him holding hands with us and sitting with us. He wakes up and he'll come into me. And if he shows up now, well, they'll, but he comes into me and he says, I love you so much. And I, oh, now I'm crying. <laughs> mm, so was I. <laughs> oh, Isabel. And isn't it beautiful? See, Many don't be afraid of, us, of the other side. <laughs> Many of us dream to hear those words from our kids. That's so it's, wonderful. Yeah. And I had never heard them. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Never heard. So where I don't care if he learned it from a movie, he knows what it means. Yeah. I love hearing how, how you're, number one, still seeing him develop at age 22 and doing new things always because that is a huge thing that I think parents need to know. Younger parents need to know, like we're saying, what would you say to younger parents? My daughter also has never stopped learning new things. She's just behind yours in age and she's, she's always doing new things and learning new things and finding joy in them. And so um, that whole desperation of that early intervention door closing on your face, it just, I want parents to know that it's just not true. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for early intervention. It is important and there's definitely value to that and research behind it, but the door doesn't close on your kids. The door, it doesn't close on your kids. And we need to, we need to let younger parents know that because it's such a hard time of life. Also finding the people who click with your child or a young adult and the situations or the, the fascinations because they may end up becoming volunteer or employment opportunities for them in the right. future. Um, there is a, a local farm that is an organic farm that's a nonprofit, and they want to bring in our guys to volunteer. So once everything changes, we have that opportunity to do that. And he is excited about the options that he has, but I think he's more excited about something that's related to food. <laughs> right, of course. Eating is a priority, but if you need to be near a kitchen and help wipe down the tables and do different things, they're looking to start a cafe. And I had approached the people and said, I want to have opportunities for our guys to work. And they're going to make this a possibility. That's another blessing is oh, don't do everything yourself. Give your ideas to other people and the right people will make it happen. Yeah. And, you know, and what I've learned over the years is that there are so many people who genuinely, truly, for real, love your kid and want to work with them and help them and, and help them reach their potential. And, um, you know, it's hard as our kids get older to imagine their future. Um, you know, who's going to take care of them when I'm gone and all of those things that are really hard to face and to deal with. Um, 
but there really are so many people who, you know, would relish the opportunity to get from our kids what they have to give to the world. Um, and so I think, I don't know if you are aware that my daughter um, works at a farm. Yes, and so yes. I was so excited when I, when you just said that, that he might be having this opportunity to go work at, oh my gosh, it has been utterly life-changing just 100% life-changing for her. She's more severely impaired than your son, so she doesn't have the opportunities um, for involvement in, in really much. And so for in, in our area, um, in West Michigan, it has been the biggest blessing that I could ever imagine. And the OT that works there is just incredibly gifted at um, finding meaningful, purposeful work for anybody at any level. And it is truly amazing. Wow. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited right. that he'll have that opportunity because okay. my daughter loves it so much. The funny thing is that the program at the farm is called Meaningful Purpose. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Both words. And, and my, I, my son has always been drawn to horses uh, really quickly. The first time he did uh, hippotherapy we went and you had to get the horse ready before you went out and he was seven hated every minute of it was whining at me and I thought they were going to throw us out we get through the whole process and he says not that many words at that time basically he would answer me on occasion when he felt like it and I said come on let's get the horse ready let's get the horse ready so we're cleaning the hooves we're wiping him down brushing him doing all these things get him all ready they take him out into the corral he puts on his helmet they're ready to put him on the horse. He's really ready for a full out tantrum. They put him on the horse and he's yelling. All of a sudden he stops, total stop. They take him out, he goes around the corral. They take him outside. All of a sudden, and I'm walking alongside with the other people and I am crying and the lady's like, what's wrong? And I, I said, nothing's wrong. She said, is he okay? I said, he's singing, oh, what a beautiful morning from Oklahoma. Oh, he doesn't sing. Okay. He doesn't sing. <laughs> There's something about nature, man. I'm telling you. Yep. It, it can change their lives and can open up avenues because to this day, people who worked with him are blown away by what the impact is on these children um, and adults. Um, I, I'm planning on figuring out how to get him on a horse again. Um, after all of this is over, we will do that. But it, it is, it's it, something as simple as walking around the block and breathing in the air, um, being in a new place, um, appreciating the sky, laying on the grass and looking up at the clouds can change everybody's mood. Everybody, yeah, everybody. And so, you know, when we when we can so easily recognize that in ourselves, you know, when we look at a, a sunrise or a sunset and it takes our breath away and we're just awestruck by the beauty, you know, and we, we have to just constantly remind ourselves that our kids are seeing and feeling the same things. And to the point of your, uh, your point earlier of, you know, they see and feel all the anxiety and the stress, they also can see and feel the relaxation and the joy and the beauty. And so 
I love your advice that you gave of just taking time, slowing down. Our society is just so do, 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 rush, rush, rush. And, um, you know, I think that the blessing of the pandemic is the slowing down um, and the, the forcible clearing of your plate. Um, you mentioned earlier that you made that, that choice for yourself um, as mm-hmm. a part of your self-care. And I did the exact same thing um, mm-hmm. two years ago is when I started this journey. And um, that was the first thing I did was clear my plate, start saying no to things um, that, that aren't serving me and that don't have to be done. Um, and so I hear here, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, and it's been a joy and a pleasure to talk with you. I want to, I want to quickly talk a little bit more about the nonprofit that you run. You said you're uh, at almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell us about it and, you know, what's the name of it and where you're located in New Jersey, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, where, what does it cover geographically and what, what's your mission? Mm-hmm. Um, it's called FACES. It's an acronym FACES for the number four autism. And Faces for Autism, we have a page on Facebook and we have a private um, support group that is online that you can search and find. But uh, basically we educate and support families throughout the lifespan who are facing the challenges of autism. And we started in 2002, but what happens is we started out with child who's newly diagnosed to now we deal with 53 year olds. And we have support groups that are in person. We have activities and events that our families attend. The most recent one we just had was we went to the llama farm, or wait, excuse me, I always say that, the alpaca farm. Ah, yes, alpaca versus llama. I know, I don't, I don't know. But they have a llama there at the alpaca farm. Explain that. Anyway, but what we do is we have experiences to almost like practice to be in the real world, we'll call it the real world, so that families who have a newly diagnosed child have an opportunity to do these things. So what we're discovering is that the younger parents are not coming as much because they think they've got this figured out because they can go on social media. Nope. You need to meet people who have kids with autism. You need to listen to what they have to say in person. Don't just look at posts on an internet. Um, You can look at what we are doing. We do um, activities. We do support groups on Zoom. It's not the same. Once everything changes, you need to go and have your kids play and look at other kids. It's not gawking. You're looking to see how does my kid measure up? Everybody does. Comparison is the thief of joy is what Theodore Roosevelt said. But you know what? We need to see where we are in the world because not everybody is better, you know, better or worse, but some people are better than we are and some people are worse. We need to see where we are so that we can move forward. And I think in-person is very important. Our um, organization raises money through doing an annual comedy night. And my husband started that 10 years ago. We've raised enough money to do all of these activities. We also have um, something that we started in 2005 that I did in my son's class in preschool called Bubbles for Autism. And schools across the country now do it in April. What it is, is we talk to them about autism, but then everybody in the school goes out and blows bubbles out in the schoolyard. And we sent, we used to send them up as wishes to the skies. Um, we used to pray for a cure or whatever, as some of the Catholic schools did that. But we don't need a cure. We are who we are. 
we are sending intentions of awareness and acceptance into the skies. So what ultimately happened is my daughter wrote a book about it. Um, it ended up being published when she was 11. Um, oh my gosh. She, she wrote a second book? book. It's called Adventure to Autism Planet. And it's about a dream she had when she was seven. And we put it together and she made a book out of it. And my son drew the pictures. What it happened was she dreamt that she was the one with autism and he did not. And in her dream, he spoke and she did not. And he explained to her all of the things that he needed. And basically he wants people to say hello. He wants people to know that he's here and it's okay. He is happy. And that's where we all are. Oh my gosh. I'm crying again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he said these things to her, I know, because they're twins. Oh, he yes. said these things to her in reality. Yes. Wow. And that it, is it, so powerful. Tell me the name of the book again. It's called, um, also, I can even send you a copy. I have, I have one around here somewhere. Adventure to Autism Planet. And okay. I what I love about it to get that. That's amazing. Yes. And that, there is a website, or I mean, those are, there's a Facebook page for that as well. Um, where we post updates about how they're doing and things like that. But she wrote a second one called um, So Did Kevin. And basically, it doesn't say the word autism. It's just that Kevin is different. And it's the process where Bubbles for Autism came from, where I went into a school district and sat with the kids and said, and here was Kevin, my son, we'll say, his, even though his name's Kyle. Um, and she said, I told her the story years ago. She was in one of the preschool classes. And what ended up happening was, I said to the kids, what do you like to do? And they'd say, I like to sled, I like to slide, I like to swing, I like to whatever. And I'd say, so does Kyle, so does Kyle, so does Kyle. You like to blow bubbles, so does Kyle. Let's go outside and blow bubbles. And we all blew bubbles and the teachers went wild and said, what are you doing? I wanna do this. The school district did it. Next thing you know, other school districts were doing it. It became a worldwide thing. We did the Guinness Book of Records for the most people blowing bubbles all over the world. We had people in India, Africa, Australia. I, I mean, it. Blew, I cried for days reading the messages. It was so beautiful. We did it. Now, this is since 2005. Yeah, so it's been going on. Um, we hope that people will continue to do it. Um, I let it go. I let it go off like a bubble. <laughs> so people, school districts call us every year and say, are we doing it? Yes, we're doing it. Yes, let's do it. Oh, wow. I can't believe I've not heard of that. I'm going to have to start my kids' schools blowing bubbles now. It's awesome. Yes, we had, we had a page of 3,000 people and I switched it over to life on the bright side. So now life on the bright side is our motivational uplifting aspect of living life with differences. So that's what it's all about. So people are still wondering, I'll be posting things about bubbles for autism on there very soon. Okay. And I love, I love your page, Life on the Bright Side. I want everybody to go and, and uh, follow you there too, because um, so, you know, you, it's just, it's the joy. It's the joy of life. And, um, you know, when you have a child with differences, like you said, or anybody in your life, it, it, it's for everyone, the mm -hmm. page, it's for everyone, but um, specifically, and I think intentionally really to help families like yours and mine, um, just stay positive and to recognize the beauty and the joy that your child has within them and that they can give to the world. Because, you know, times can get 
dark at our houses, you know, right? I think we're all very aware of that. And so I love, I love your focus on the joy and how, you know, how to get there and how to do it. Um, I think we just need so much more of that in the world. So thank oh, you. Thank you. I was just going to say our families need to realize that there is two parts of their lives, who they are, and don't lose that. Don't hide it under a bushel. Be as wonderful as you are because you are there and you were given this path for a reason. And then there's the time to talk about poop. It's okay. We can talk about these things. <laughs> oh my gosh. We talk about poop a lot at my house. <laughs> it's just the daily conversation, right? Oh, I love it. Yes. And for people who don't have a child with, with any special need, because I have tons of my friends who, whose kids don't have autism, but different disabilities, it's, it's always about the poop. So for those of you who are not in our world, but listening to Glean Information, we appreciate you being here and just know that all we ever have to think about every day is poop and our kids poop all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. I don't know about you. We play the game pooper chocolate at our house. Um, it's never chocolate. It's That's never. a good name for it. I love it. <laughs> Sadly, it's never chocolate. Okay. <laughs> yes, we have to keep it light, man. You got to keep a sense of humor in this life, don't you? Whoo. Oh, did we ever think that we would be talking about such things? It is. It's so true. Publicly to the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> yep. That's, this is real. We're keeping it real. Me and Isabel, keeping it real. <laughs> I love it. Well, you are a delight. And I appreciate so much you sharing your light with us today. And more importantly, with the world every day. Um, so tell us again where we can, where everyone can find you. They can find you at Life on the Bright Side on Facebook. Right. This is for autism, which is a number four. Yes. And um, on Instagram, we're faces for autism, the number four. And also our life on the bright side is what our name is on Instagram. Okay. But um, we'd love to have you join us. I know we're doing um, some events coming up. We're going to be doing a telethon on life on the bright side for faces. That'll be coming up in March. So we're very excited about that. And we welcome all. We embrace all. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media. Lara Kitts on Facebook at lara.kits on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. Check it out at larakits.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.